Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, Koshi here with a small favour. Each year we run a subscriber survey to help us understand our audience and what we can do to help you be a better investor. I'd love you to fill it out. You can find it at osbiz.co.survey or follow the link in the program notes. To sweeten the deal, there are some great prizes on offer, including lunch with the Osbiz experts. Thanks for doing that. Now enjoy the call. Good Thursday afternoon to you. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, all over 60 minutes. You know the drill. It's Thursday, the 17th of March. It's really nice to be here with you. I'm Nadine Blaney. Uh, Look, really great to have our expert guests joining us for the full hour, as per usual. Um, Ben Clark is here in studio from TMS Capital. Ben, good to see you. Hey, good to be here. I had a chance to speak with your colleague, Jeremy Hook, yesterday after market close. And I said, okay, does anything change for you guys in your morning meeting tomorrow if the U.S. Fed hikes rates? He basically said, no. Did it? Yep. That's I'd tick. I'd agree with that. I'm (laughs) glad we're on the same page. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny, like the market does what it so typically does, which it worries about things as they approach and prices them in. But when the actual process starts, and this is whether, you know, the, the war in Ukraine, I'm for, you know, the market sort of bottomed out the day that the troops hit the ground and, um, and with um, the Fed lifting rates as well. So I think the question moves on from, okay, the rate cycle has commenced. Um, the question now is where does it head to and how quickly does it head there? And um, the reason we saw a bit of a risk on rally last night is the Fed are saying sort of six rate rises they're indicating this year, which is a bit less than the market was expecting. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that will change over the, you know, the, where it's a pretty dynamic world at the moment, there's a lot going on. Yeah, that's what I sort of reminded in the newsroom today that <coughs> dot, dot plots aren't um, etched in stone. No. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Andrew Page is also joining us. He's from strawman.com. Most of our viewers would know him well. So we're seeing a bit of a rally in the tech sector. Uh, today. So do you think that some of the bargain hunting that may have been possible in that space in particular over the past couple of months may be coming even to an end? I don't think so. I mean, tech stocks have fallen a long way. So it's good to see a bit of a bounce today, but there's a long way to go for some of those former gains to, to be recaptured. I actually don't think it's reasonable for investors to expect some of those previous highs to be seen anytime soon for a reasonable number of players in that space. I mean, valuations got to very, very lofty levels. So I think I think some of that uh, froth, you know, might be hard to sort of recapture. But at the same time, yeah, there's 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 great buying opportunities that are out there for those that can look past the current turmoil. And, and I think, as Ben rightly said, a lot of this worry over uh, interest rates has, has been to a, a, you know, a large degree sort of priced in. It can change. It always does. Uh, but so far, yeah, I think it's an interesting okay. time to be an investor. I wonder, Andrew, let's start with this um, a little bit of a sum up of what we're going to be talking about over the next half hour. Uh, Race Oncology, Pushpay, Duxton Water, Ava Risk and Booktopia. 
So quite a motley crew of names there. Um, but back to that earlier thought, Andrew, look, is EML payments potentially emerging as one of those beaten up buys? It started with the Irish Central Bank. It's in the tech space. Obviously, it's been beaten up in that. But yesterday it came out with an announcement that it is entering the employee benefits market or EBM via a multi-year deal with UpSpain. Um, so it's an expanding sector apparently, $20 billion it's saying of global growth expected between now and 2025. And apparently this deal gives it the opportunity to really stretch its wings into that space in Europe. Uh, look, UBS is liking it, Ords Minette is liking it, and shares are up by 6.5%. Uh, is EML a buying opportunity now? Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, this is a it's a great Aussie business. I mean, they were doing 50 million in sales five years ago. Now it's closer to 200 million. This latest opportunity that they're getting into in Europe alone, it's a 30 billion dollar market in terms of these employee benefit um, processes. And I think what's interesting about it is it just shows the versatility of the back end platform that they've got running here in terms, you know, Things like fintech disruptor are terms that get thrown around <laughs> quite a bit and not always in a, in a correct fashion. But I think that's a very apt label for EML. Um, they've obviously had a lot of trouble with the, the Irish Central Bank there. I think that's going to be resolved. They'll cop about $10 million in legal fees is associated with that. But, you know, 20% revenue growth just recently in the most recent half, big, strong pipeline. Shares probably should have come down um, a little bit, but I think they've gotten into a territory where they're, they're pretty exciting. Members on Strawman really like it. It's number uh, ninth top ranked stock for us. So yeah, I think it's a good buying opportunity. That's a buy. So Ben, a buy hold sell for EML. I don't believe you guys are in this company, no. but it has had some tough times yep. um, with the gift card option as well. So obviously with people not in malls, that hasn't gone so well through the pandemic, but they, they have, you know, a lot of different verticals going on. And this one certainly seems that it's a really big opportunity. Yeah, look, um, it's not one I'm super familiar with. I've got to I'll just say at the start, um, the only thing I would say is um, this business was having issues before we sort of got into this big tech sell-off that we've seen to start this year. And um, my only question, like, I think, you know, Andrew sounds like he's across the business a lot better than me. So I, I, I'm not going to say on the fundamentals. I'm just, I would make the point that I think there's some, there's some tech businesses out there where, you know, the, the business is just in fantastic shape. The earnings are flying. They had great results in February and upgraded guidance for the year. And they have also been sold off heavily from where they were at Jam 1. And I'd, you know, for me, probably a little bit more risk averse, but I, I probably gravitate more to... Um, one of those sort of businesses in this like environment. Uh, well, there's quite a few. Um, I mean, in the more mature stocks, you've got, you know, sort of REA and Seek, um, which, which both um, had great numbers. Altium had a um, quasi upgrade. Um, so did WiseTech at their results, although WiseTech is um, zero backing in on its high. Zero, you know, is off a third. Um, it didn't report, of course, in February. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree with Andrew with one thing is, um, the world, I think, or the markets have changed this year and businesses that um, were continuing to rack up year-on-year -year losses and were trading on revenue multiples and were still some time away from ever getting to a profit, um, reliant on the equity market funding those losses routinely. Mm -hmm. I, I really think mm. that party has probably ended now. And um, yeah, I'd back up what he's saying. I don't know if he's talking about the same part of the market, but. Yeah. I think 
you are going to wait a very long time, if ever, to see some stocks go back to where they were trading at in 2021. Uh-huh. So that the market has almost overnight refocused on the old fundamentals yeah. we used to talk about that just seemed to get thrown out the window when cash rates were zero and there was a lot of liquidity. Look, BNPL comes to my mind. Um, we could keep talking about this, but is that a buy, hold, sell, or hold? I'll go hold yeah. because it has come off a long way. Um, and, you know, hopefully they're through the worst of the regulatory issues that they've had. All right. Well, it's trading at about $2.52. UBS has a $4.55 price target on the company. It has a buy recommendation. It says that this deal is an important development that could be significant over the medium term and it will customize its current platform for the project and has <clears> potential <throat> to partner further in Europe. So there you go. Uh, that is the stock of the day, EML. Let's get to those companies that have been nominated for you or by you. And this is for Trent. It's Race Oncology. In fact, Race had an announcement at today whether or not it's material with these biotech, uh, biopharma companies yeah. is always a debatable until you get more trial results, yes. right? Yeah. So that is what we always talk about in terms of these companies. But yeah. the reality is, is there will be some winners. It successfully raised about, um, well, I don't know actually how much it raised at $3 a share. It was a cap raising earlier this year. Pretty yeah. good cash position. Yep. And I'm um, clearly you know, getting some positive results. What do you yeah. think? Look, I, I'm going to go a hold on this one, Nadine. Uh, Biotechs are always tricky. The the reason I've got a hold on this one is they look like they're further through the journey to um, proving up a drug they've got called Zetrine, I believe it's called. It's a a cancer drug that's used in um, in kidney treatments. Um, And they have had some preclinical success, it looks like. You know, I just preface this by saying I've only looked at this company for the first time this morning. Mm -hmm. $37 million in cash, so they've got plenty of cash to get them through a significant amount of R&D spend. And they have set themselves a transaction target within two to three years if the drug works. And that's always the big thing, as you said, you know, um, this does look like it's a bit of a one horse pony in that it's, you know, the company's futures are pretty reliant on one drug. It's not like a portfolio of different drugs. Um, And ultimately, you know, in two to three years time, whether this is a $15 $15 share or a 15 cent share mm-hmm. will come down to how successful um, this drug is. And it's so hard because I think even if you are a, a clinical expert in this area of medicine, you still would have a, a bit of a chance maybe of knowing whether this is going to be successful. So, you know, usual boring things, don't put in more than you can afford to lose. Biotechs have been hammered. Um, so that's you know, potentially there is an opportunity there and that's why I've gone for a hold because the share price has come right mm-hmm. off. How about you, Andrew? Um, are you across race oncology? Um, investing in the biotech space we know is tricky. You almost have to have a medical background, but there will be winners and we need them to solve, you know, the problems that we all hope we never encounter. Yeah, as a, as a person who lives on planet Earth, I really hope that these yeah. companies deliver some great cancer technologies. Like. But the statistics are very telling on this. It's a lottery ticket. I'd go a step further than what Ben said. It's like, I think even if you were the world leading expert in this, you still can't know. I mean, that's that's why they're doing the trials to find out. So they can look encouraging, absolutely. I mean, kind of has to by by definition to get through all the previous uh, stages and they're all very high hurdles to get through. So great, really encouraging. I think it's Xantrine that's sort of gotten through all of this kind of stuff. But we know that there's a pretty high failure rate at, at the last hurdle. Um, so look, if, if it goes through, 
yeah, you're off to the races. You'll make a fortune. If not, you'll lose a lot. So I don't know as an investor, uh, particularly one who's, who's not steeped in, in medical expertise and, and oncology research, how I could possibly do this. So I, I just can't in good conscience recommend it or even, or even say hold it. If you're someone who knows this area really, really well and you've got really good reasons to expect that this will be successful, and you think that the company can actually effectively commercialize this within a reasonable time frame. Let's not forget, even if they are successful in overcoming a lot of these things, like the first cash flow is years out. And it's great that they've got a lot of money on the on the books, but you know, they're burning through six, seven, eight million dollars a year as well. So that'll run out pretty quickly too, and then they'll need to raise more to ramp up all the other kinds of things. So it's I wish them very well, but I prefer I prefer safer harbors. So that's an avoid coming from you. Let's get to push pay. This is for, for Sabrata. She says, closely following the company for the last three months, wants to add it to the portfolio, but again, it's uh, continuing to get hammered. So she doesn't want to be catching a falling knife. However, a bit of an uptick in the charts just lately. We can bring it up in a minute. Um, so is it the right time to buy or wait for more? Now, Andrew, I make these notes every day and then they end up just in a drawer someplace, but just going by memory, I feel like you really like push pay or have done in the past. So answer the question, is it a time to buy in because it's been beaten up? You could, we could talk about some of the ones that have worked out better, but sure, let's talk about push pay. It hasn't been great. It's, it's been down about 50% recently. So for those that don't know, these guys basically do payments. It's focused on, on churches, essentially the large mega cap uh, Pentecostal churches over in the US. It's a Kiwi business. It, it's a business that, you know, it's tripled its its revenues in the last few years. It operates on a 20% net margin, uh, profitable business, lots of free cash flow. Everything's going really well. And then in the, in the most recent half, they said that actually sales growth is growth, but it's like 10% we're now looking at. And for the full year, operating profit's likely to be about 10% higher. This contrast with the year before, where revenues were up 40% and EBITDA was up 133%, just as they were just getting some really nice scale benefits there. On top of that, they've made an acquisition in Resi Media. They've now also uh, spending a bit of cash moving into the Catholic sector. Uh, it's still a $330 million revenue opportunity, but it's a very different market to the Pentecostal one. And there's mm -hmm. some doubts over whether that works. So I think the market, the market has seen this company that's just done incredible things, and then all of a sudden we've just had a bit of a, 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 a the, the the top has been knocked off the growth growth trajectory. There's some allegations as well that they perhaps they were they were too focused. Yeah, is this for ironic? Where every other tech company in the world wasn't worrying about fundamentals, I think these guys are probably a little too worried about it. And the cost on that has been that they've actually lost. It's a market opportunity, particularly in the States, by being a little bit too conservative with their growth expansion and CapEx and that kind of stuff. So I, what's interesting about it now is that historically, I mean, in hindsight, should have you sold? Was it overvalued? Yes, probably. The hard thing to do as an investor and the super hard thing to do as an investor who has shares in this is to say, okay, that was then, this is now. We now have a business that's on a forward multiple of about 20, 25 times still growing the top line. And even if we say that 10% is sort of the new normal, um, that's, that's probably about fair at, at that point. And if you're someone who feels as though they can resume to anywhere near the kind of growth that they had, or even just more than the market is expecting, it's probably cheap. So for me, I'm, I'm a hold. Having said all of that, I really want to see in the next set of results some traction in terms of Parish Stack, their, their Catholic product. 
I want to see in terms of whether they're able to uh, increase volumes that are going through the platform. There's a new management team in play here as well. So ostensibly cheap if, if they can get back to the good old days. But I, okay. I want to see some evidence of that yeah. before I put a buy on it. So that, okay, got it. So that's the answer, Sabrata. You want to see signs of that turnaround before you go buy it. Ben, well, I thought that church giving would be recession-proof in the U.S. Yeah, well, you, well, I, it, largely it has, you'd say, in some ways. Because, uh, look, I, I haven't had a look at this one for a while, and I'm not as familiar as it, with it as Andrew. But um, it looked pretty good to me, I've got to say. I mean, yeah, I, that was, I mean, in fact, Andrew's been reading some of my notes here. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, but my, question, my question mark was there had been a pretty marked slowdown in the rate of the revenue and the earnings growth. And... Um, that's a bit, you know, but it's not like this was trading on some sort of crazy multiple to start with. It's on 20 times next year's earnings, which um, for a business like this looks sounds pretty good to me. And um, as he said, you know, sort of six to 10% earnings growth. They've, they've actually just updated the market a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So they're saying sort of um, six to 10% earnings growth. A new acronym, an EBIT DAFI. I've never heard of that one before. Isn't that um, concerning in and of itself? Well, I I, I didn't know what the fee meant. It's apparently it's um, foreign exchange. So I'll I'll sort of give them that. um, (laughs) But because other companies have sort of had troubles splitting out, you know, converting it back. But definitely it's one I hadn't come across. Um, they do have some debt, $55 million in net debt. That's a bit unusual, I guess, for a, you know businesses that are still in full growth mode. And it was to buy that Resi Media business. So, look, I'm going to go a hold as well. I, I think, you know, there has been, it looks like a change in strategy. There's been what looks like a, um, a pretty decent acquisition um, that they're that they've made, that they've taken debt on form. We know that, you know, they can that can go really well. It can also be a bit of a disaster if it's not a good one. But on face value, it looks pretty good to me. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Yeah. It's a hold though for now. Duxton Water, D2O, this is for Mary. Ben, I'm with you, I'll stay with you. So it says that it gives you direct exposure to the Australian water market. Um, diversified portfolio of assets, um, risk management tools, et cetera, et cetera. When you hear water, yeah, you know you can you can see the opportunity there. But yeah. is Duxton Water the way to do it? Well, I, I I think from a share market point of view, it's the only way to do it because um, I actually hadn't looked at this one before either, and um, um, it's the only vehicle I've actually. Vital Harvest was one that we used to mm-hmm. own, and that had quite a lot of water entitlements. That was at the time the only one I actually thought traded on the stock exchange. So here's another one. Um, they've got 81.7 gigalitres of water, and it, it looks like it's quite well spread around the country. And we know that water is just it, it's just going to become a more valuable mm-hmm. resource in the short term. It's maybe not so valuable. Yeah. <laughs> the amount, you know, every dam is full. Um, yeah, and I don't feel bad having a bath these days. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Murray apparently, I think they're quite reliant on like um, river flows across the Murray Darling and um, whether water's being let out. Mm-hmm. So maybe farmers have got some options not to pay for more expensive irrigated water at the moment. But that's a, I'm sure, going to be a short term sort of thing. The net asset, the net asset value is a dollar eighty-seven, um, and it's two dollars fourteen pre-tax. The shares are at about a dollar fifty-five, and they're doing a pretty aggressive on-market buyback to try and close that gap. They're on about a four percent fully frank yield. Debt looks pretty conservative. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd say a hold, and if it if it pulled back a bit, I reckon this could be quite a good buy because there are very few ways to play 
you know, the agri, the agri space is booming. Yes, um, it is. Land values are incredible. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you just got to go to a supermarket at the moment and see what a steak costs. And see, mm. Protein prices are going through the roof. Yeah. And a lot of very smart people picked this five or six years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't help but think that the assets will over time become more valuable. See, this is the thing, Ben, is you've got to do your homework to yeah. be on this show, but then sometimes you, you know. You stumble across a little gem, yeah. At least gets you thinking. Yeah. All right, how about you, Andrew? Do you know this one? Duxton Water, D2O for yeah. Mary? Uh, not, not until this morning, but yeah. I, I think um, now Ben's been reading my notes because he just <laughs> stole a lot of what I was going to say. Um, yeah, look, so, I mean, one thing that really stood out to me, I mean, this is 25% net margin, so it's an insanely profitable business. Um, I do know that the revenues can be pretty lumpy, uh, how they set allocation prices. But where, where I, I think high-level picture here, you can look at water, you can look at what the longer-term outlook you see, you can look at the, the value that they have in their assets. What I would want to know if I was going to dig deeper into this is that, as I understand it, the, the way that water writes and entitlements are traded and priced it's it's a it's a big rabbit hole of nuance and complexity that is just outside of my wheelhouse so i i, I personally would want to get a bit closer to understanding all of that i imagine that there's a fair degree of government regulatory risk in here if they decide to sort of change anything there um not that that's necessarily a likely thing but just something to sort of mm -hmm. to, to look out uh, out for but yeah, at face value, it, it looks as though it's got um, a really nice, attractive business um, that, that should have a, a product that's in demand for a long, long time in, in a sector that's growing. So I'll put a, a hold on it um, j just for that. But again, I, I'd want to dig into the technicalities of it because as I understand it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting uh, asset place. Got it. Thank you. All right. Next on the list for Phil is Ava Risk, AVA. I'm going to start with you, Andrew Page, because Phil called you out by name. He'd like your opinion on its half-year report. In his view, small increase in revenue from the tech division, um, XIMOD, um, but sales Indian orders... Ministry of Defense. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. No, I was just looking at another company we're talking about later on. Anyways, um, sales Thanks. orders are down from last quarter. Are you confident that they will win uh, more contracts to replace that Ministry of Defense? It's hard to value their share price at the moment. So this makes me feel like you know the company. Have you talked about it on the call before? Forgive me. I don't recall that. Yes, uh, I, I have actually. We, when um, when we were doing uh, the Strawman Classic last year, we Rob Broomfield, the CEO, came on. We had a chat with him. Okay. He actually came along to one of our member meetings just last week, actually. Mm -hmm. So we had a chance to catch up with him. So there's a lot to say here. I'll go really quickly. It, it is um, a pretty big holding of mine, so that disclosure needs to be out of the way, and probably the main reason why anyone would want to steer well clear of it. But but with that disclaimer <laughs> said, um, <laughs> these guys, it's very tricky to look at this business at the moment. They've just divested it off their services business to focus more on the technology offerings. So things are a little bit messy around the financials. They've also had this situation where they won this wonderful, super high-margin licensing contract with the Indian Ministry of Defence, which just shot all the financials through the roof, but now has given them a very difficult comps period because that's sort of been delivered on now and it's not. there's no recurring revenue that's coming out of that. So you've got to fold all that into it. Underneath it all, you have a technology business in terms of the fi future fibre technology business. So just back up on that quickly. They basically send light pulses through fiber optic cable and they can use that to measure detection, interruption, vibration, noise. So you can use it for perimeters, you can use it to manage uh, data cables, you can for conveyor belts, huge addressable market. The underlying technology division there has been growing really strongly, XIMOD. 
they've got a big pipeline. The negative for it has been, that some of our members have pointed out, is they've been talking up the prospects of Aura IQ. This is the product that they, they've got for mines here. Wonderful value prop for, for customers. A lot of proof of value trials have been done. We're just waiting to see some of these things come through. And if they come through, there's a lot of potential there. Very quickly too, I know that going, I'm going on a bit here, but they've also got this uh, uh, division which is for uh, uh, locks essentially. So they do like data centers, government sites. They've just recently signed an agreement with Dormacaba, which is materially increasing their addressable market. So you're going to see an order of magnitude lift on that as well. So I'm, I'm positive with it. The balance sheet is very strong. But bear in mind that the timing of sales in the, uh, uh, is, is hard to know and it will be lumpy. So for me, this is a sort of three to five year play. And I think over that time, you'll probably do well. And just very quickly, on the fall on the share price, please note that was a special dividend of 13 cents. Uh, mm. That accounts okay. for that. So that's that's that explains the fall. So this is a buy, a long-term buy. A buy, sorry, yes. Thank you. I'll always get it at the end. Don't don't worry. <laughs> I, got, I got our viewers <laughs> covered. I'll bring you around there. Um, was he reading your notes? It sounds like he knows the business then. I'd never heard of this one either. <laughs> like, and there's more to come. But... Um, this one did my head in when I was trying to get my head around the numbers because they, as Andrew said, they're fluctuating all over the place, and it's because they've. I worked out they sold a division, got paid because when I first looked at it, I was like, they've got fifty-five million dollars in cash, sixty-five million market cap, and they're generating two million dollars a half in profit, and I was like, oh my god, this is could be the best buy ever. <laughs> but they've returned a fair, as Andrew said, they've returned a fair chunk of that cash um, as a special div. And I think I'm right, Andrew, in saying that there's a capital return that's about to come through on top yeah. of that. That hasn't been paid out yeah. yet, but it, it will be. It, it, it was delayed because they wanted, they were trying to get a special ruling from the ATO. So we were hopeful that there'd be a full 16 cents in capital return for tax right. benefits, but yeah, only three cents, that's still due though. Okay. And, but look at, you know, it's interesting little business. It's a very niche area. And I think you've got to do the work which Andrew has to understand the business and the lumpiness of the contracts because it didn't look like there's the recurring revenue. So the market will always pay a lower multiple for that kind of business. Um, but it's trading, you know, from what I could work out on a normalized sort of earnings basis, maybe on about 13 times, um, which looks sort of, you know, reasonable. Um, they have guided for a pretty decent lift in sales um, for the coming half. And, um, you know, they did, I think, about 10 million last half and they're guiding for 11 to 13. Um, great balance sheet. So I'll, I'll go hold um, just because I'm not really familiar. This is mm -hmm. a very specialized area it looks like to me and um, you need to do your work yeah got it thank you all right next on list is booktopia so we've had a earnings report come from the company recently as we have for most companies earnings fell by 49 percent from what i can see to 4.1 million dollars um it it had a build-up in inventory and it had a bit of difficulty unpacking that over christmas and because it says you know, labor shortages and distribution costs. So these are some of those macro sort of thematics that it looks to be impacting Booktopia. Um, is it a buy, hold, or a sell? It, it sort of IPO'd to great fanfare. It did, and did very well mm -hmm. on the back of it. Um, and, you know, everyone said Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. And, um, you know, this, this company has done well. I'm, I'm only just a hold on this. Like, there's some things I saw there that I didn't really like, but the share price has come off a long way now. So it's not like, 
you know, um, you, you're, you're paying a, a ridiculous multiple. I think it's trading on about 34 times next year's mm -hmm. earnings. Um, the Australian book market is $2.6 billion a year um, and 43% of books are bought online. I didn't know any of this. And next year they're saying it'll be about 50. Um, mm -hmm. And these guys do, in Australia for the moment, really dominate the online sales. And I don't think they'll, apart from Amazon, I don't know if they'll be a second player because the amount of back-end infrastructure and stuff you've got to build out, it's hard to see mm -hmm. them having a real competitor. My only, the thing I didn't like was um, that EBITDA was like 50% lower than it was on the PCP. And you know, you gotta work out why that's been the case. And you know, there was some investment stuff and corporate stuff, but the main reason was employment costs. Mm -hmm. And it just makes mm -hmm. you worry that the business has been, you know, as it moved into IPO, maybe revved up a little bit in mm -hmm. terms of what the earnings were looking like and maybe it's just underinvested in the short term. And look, that could be wrong, but um, I want to get to the bottom of why um, they needed to put on so many additional staff in such a short time frame. And they sort of said, you know, lockdown wasn't yeah. great for us, but I would have thought it would actually be quite good for them on a sales basis mm -hmm. because all the bookshops were closed. Like lockdown lasted for 107 days in Sydney. You couldn't go to a bookshop during that time. And people had a lot of time on their hands to read books. So um, that's a bit of a, you know. Red I'm, flag. Yeah, to me. So I'll, I'll say hold. Are you happy with the hold though? Because if, to me, if you're holding it, you're implying that the share price is going to be going up in some sort of a time frame. Yeah, right? yeah. Look, hold to a sell. I, I, I'm <laughs> going to stick with a hold because it, it has dropped by two thirds. Yeah, okay. um, so it's on price. Yeah, and, and I think it's not like you're paying an unreasonable multiple, um, but you know, before probably making the decision, if I own some, I want to get more into some of yeah. those questions I've raised and without being having the t had the time to do so, that might swing you to a sell, but mm -hmm. they're two sort of things that I want to okay. get my head around. Fair enough. Andrew, do you have those sort of same questions or how do you view Booktopia? Yeah, ben, Ben's got exactly the right questions to ask there. So, I mean, the top line is really impressive, 15%, uh, the most recent half as well record number of units uh, shipped um, over the last few years that it's kagged at, at 30 percent or something so it's definitely growth there i think amazon is something that's it's like sort of the first it's mo most knee-jerk reaction but also there's definite validity to that that being said you know these guys from their numbers are about 10 percent of the available market so there's a lot of place there, even if they end up as a second or, or third player but it's it's permissioned to some extent on what margins that they, they can sustain, particularly in the face of a very large uh, competitor who's got very deep pockets and is very, very happy and it's part of their long-standing stated strategy just to run at ultra, ultra-thin margins. In fact, their, their EBIT margins on the last half were 3%, uh, so negative net margins, but so it, it's really thin. And, and I would wanna know, are these employment costs bulked up to help support expected growth or as Ben says, are they sort of playing catch up here uh, as well? So great to see the sales result there. I'd want to see better, imp better, better profitability at the end. So it's, I was going to say a hold, but then I'm mindful of what you just said. So, so uh, uh, a hold if you know it a lot better than me and you can answer those questions. If not, it's a do more work. Yeah, okay, that's a new one, but I'll take it because I like you guys and I've known you for a while. Let's sum up what we've learned today. So EML, it is a buy for Andrew. He's calling it a fintech disruptor. 
Uh, ben doesn't know the company super well, but he's talking about the tech space broadly speaking, and he's saying you are finding bargains there. He names REA, Seek, LTM, uh, and WiseTech sort of around that space. Race Oncology for Trent, it's a hold for Ben. Because the outcome can be binary, it's um, one of those things that you need to know. You need to know what's going on in that space, and it's in a void for Andrew. He calls it a lottery ticket. Push pay. Andrew knows the company well. It's a hold right now. Uh, he wants to see how that Catholic product rolls out and also how the new management goes in its execution. Uh, ben says hold your horses as well, but he does say it's not expensive, so he'll keep an eye on that one. Both of them are going to be keeping their eye on Duxton Water, actually. Uh, regulatory risk has been flagged by Andrew, but look, um, uh, ben says if it pulled back, it would probably be a buy. Ava Risk, this is definitely Andrew Page territory. He's calling it a buy over a three to five year horizon. It's a hold for Ben. Um, it, he wants to see sort of, you know, further lift in sales for that one. And um, Booktopia, it's a hold to uh, do your more research for Andrew. It's a hold based on the price for Ben. Um, but again, it's those employment costs that really damaged the last result. The, both of my expert guests say you need to do your due diligence to find out what that's all about. It may take some time actually to come through in the next results. I don't think there's any hurry on that one, most definitely. All right, the investment committee meeting featuring Ben Clark from TMS is up online now if you'd like to take a look. Uh, I was listening in. I've watched it obviously, but I was listening in as it was happening. Fascinating. BHP, Macquarie, Mineral Resources, Steadfast, Aristocrat Leisure, Audinate, CSL, NextDC, and Universal Store were put in that high conviction portfolio. <clears throat> Excuse me, half units of Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, 20% in cash. So they might be doing some buying next time they meet, which actually isn't too far away. Hard to believe we're the 17th of March already. And so all of the companies that we discuss on this show, particularly the buys, will be put in front of the investment committee and they will do some adjusting if they see fit. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. And our next five stocks to be discussed, IODM, not to be confused with the Indian Ministry of Defense, <laughs> ProMedicus, Treasury Wine Estates, Blackmores, and Matter Group. So let's get right to it, should we? IODM Limited. Look, I had to look it up. It's a leader in process automation, customizable application to give you time and control back when managing your cash flow. I just thought they had a lot of buzzwords, rapidly evolving financial and technology markets. Uh, what does it do, Andrew? What do you think? It's always a bit, well, I wouldn't say a red flag, but it's interesting when, when you read the company description and you shrug your shoulders, like, what, what does that yeah, actually yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, so as, as I understand, I hadn't, I hadn't been aware of this company. It's $168 million, so it's reasonably small, but it's accounts receivable solutions. Um, I even checked out their website. They say they're a leading provider of these globally, but you know, last year, trailing 12 months, They've done $900,000 in revenue, so they're tiny for the ASX. Uh, they're unprofitable, they're losing about $2 million a year. Um, <clears throat> shares are on currently 150 times their very, very small sales base. So clearly, the market here is expecting some very rapid uptake in, in sales. 
Uh, I note that there's a strategic partnership with Western Union. Uh, they've recently raised some money, so they've got a bit over $2 million of cash in the bank. So a huge amount of rope, but, but it certainly helps. So I guess uh, what I need to look into is exactly what is the nature of this partnership? How much revenue is that likely to bring in? I'm sure there's a massive addressable market. Of course, any company deals with accounts receivables, but what's the go-to-market strategy? How much is that going to cost per acquisition? Mm -hmm. They're the things I'd really want to know because they're tiny. They are absolutely tiny. And I think there's actually a, we're a mining company at one stage that maybe it was a reverse listing or something like that. So, you know, it's interesting, interesting, but uh, in what they do, but there's just, there's a lot of questions to ask there and I'd, I'd want to see a lot more traction. Yeah, James, so that is not an endorsement coming from Andrew Page at strawman.com. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ben, you, I mean, this wouldn't even be on your radar, let's be honest. I'd never heard of it. I had to check three times that I saw a market cap of $168 million. I, I, I would have this as a strong sell. Um, I, you know, 400 grand in revenue for the half and you've got a $170 million market cap. I don't, I can't get my head around that. Um, <laughs> it lost 800 grand last half. It's only got $2 million in cash and it that only- That goes nowhere. Yeah, that and, and it is so illiquid. You know, yeah. I, I think there was like one buyer in the screen and then the buyer below them, you know, you're talking a 50% mm-hmm. drop in the share price. So this for me- Is an avoid. Yeah. yeah, James, James, that's your warning guys. Also remember this is information only. And it's not uh, personal financial advice in any way, shape, or form. So let's go to ProMedicus, shall we, Ben, Andrew? Um, PME is a ticker code. This is for Di. She's saying, I have a small parcel I purchased at the beginning of 2020. It's increased by 12% whenever she sent that email, which was probably pretty recently. I don't know whether to top up or just sell. Um, it seems to be going backwards. Should I expect things to improve now electric, elective surgery is resumed? It actually had a really strong result most recently. Um, So it looks like we've got a bit of an uptick happening lately. Profit growth, margin expansion, retained earnings. Ben, what do you think of PME and particularly whether you would be buying, holding or selling if you're already a holder from March 2020? Okay. I have just bought some of this um, in the the sell-off in growth stocks. I think this is probably one of the highest quality businesses on the stock exchange. It's just always looked horribly expensive. It still looks horribly expensive, but it is much cheaper than it was, um, you know, at the start and of quality. the quality. You don't mind paying for quality, right? Correct. And, and I don't mind if I know I'm going to still hopefully own it in five years. And I will, I hope, look back and think, you know, based on year, year five earnings, I might be paying 10 times for it mm-hmm. effectively because the earnings are growing off the charts. You know, they did 40% revenue growth last half, 53% in impact growth. And I think the most important thing there is you are seeing operating leverage starting to flex through the business, which is a really big thing that you want to look for in these sort of companies. It's got $76 million in net cash. It is winning contracts all over the Mm -hmm. world. Um, It's just signed its biggest contract with a um, company called, I think, Novant, um, which was a seven-year, $40 million contract. Um, I think they've said that if the, just the existing customers renew their next lot of contracts. There's about $370 million in revenue that will come in in the next five years. Um, but, you know, they're adding companies like the Mayo mm-hmm. Clinic and it's all over the world. And um, the technology is phenomenal. There's really not a competitor. And mm-hmm. um, I think they will become the global leading player in that area. 
So Di, he's putting his uh, money where his mouth is. This is not for your personal circumstances, but Ben's buying. Um, Andrew, what do you think of whether or not this pullback that we've seen in the share price is enough to, to top up, become, or even become a new investor in the company? Yeah, uh, look, I haven't done the show with Ben for a while. I forgot how much we uh, align on, on thinking. So I agree, <laughs> one, of, one of the highest quality businesses. I'm a shareholder, I've been a shareholder for years. Um, the price is insane. Let's face it, it, it doesn't, it, it, well, let me, let me qualify that. It's, sustain, it's insane against any sort of traditional uh, measure of value, but it's not entirely crazy when you given the growth runway and the delivered growth and expected growth to come. So here's, here's something that's fascinating. So we've seen a lot of really good growth stories uh, in recent times. What's interesting about ProMedicus is that they have underpinned this growth entirely self-funded. They haven't raised capital from shareholders. In fact, they've paid a dividend. So the share count has been flat and they have funded this ridiculous growth. Revenue more than double over the last five years, but profit over that same time is 400%. So every tech company loves to talk about operating leverage and that. And yet for the majority of them, all you see is, yeah, great growing sales, but even stronger growth in costs with future cash flows mm -hmm. pushed out to eternity. So these guys don't do that. Huge inside ownership from the founders, still very much involved with the business, very sticky relationships. Ben's right, this is a structural shift. You used to do these medical imaging, the images that were captured by these machines where there was some software included with that and it was horrible. And yeah. now the world's going to server-side rendered, so just a million times better without going into the detail. And they've largely won, and there's still a huge amount of area to grow. So while it's 50 times sales or whatever it happens to be, that, that potential for strong and sustained growth is there. So I wouldn't say it's cheap, but I'd say it's fair, and I'm continuing to hold my small parcel at these prices. Would you buy at these prices? That's a question. If I didn't own any, I'd, I'd be tempted to, to take some, yeah. Um, but I would say this, don't, Di was interesting at the start that the language she used there, oh, you know, the company hasn't done much since I owned it. No, the company's done brilliantly. The shares haven't done much. And and you're gonna see that as, when companies trade at such high multiple, sentiment okay. plays such a big factor. So could this be down half tomorrow? Absolutely, could it be up to? It's a lot, so, yeah. You know, You've got to, if you're invested in this kind of company, you're looking at this for a five year plus horizon mm -hmm. and an expectation of it, it continuing to dominate in this space. I think they can. And if I didn't own shares, I'd be, I'd, I'd be tempted to buy a, a, a small holding. Yeah. And then and back the truck up if, yeah. it got, if it got much cheaper. All right. All right. And so I just remember, we don't know the weighting that you have in your portfolio, what the size of your position is, all that kind of stuff. So just keep that in mind. All right. Treasury Wine Estates is next on the list. This is for Will TWE. Share price has been doing very well lately. Ben, um, yeah. there's been a lot of, you know, um, a value being put on the fact that now that COVID is over, you're going to have some of those higher margin, you know, basically seller door sales happening. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that's true? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think these guys have done an amazingly good. I mean, the, the big thing's been China. China. I yeah. mean, that's the. And we all know about it. Um, I think I, I've been quite amazed at how they've managed to find new markets, sell particularly that premium product into other places. And it doesn't look like it's really come at the expense of a lot of margin, because um, we know that the Chinese were... That would know, annoy China, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, it, it would. And um, you wonder you know, whether that market at some stage will come back, because we have seen coal stunned go back into China. Yeah. Um, it won't last forever. But 
Look, I have got this as a hold, Nadine. Um, the valuation looks about fair for me. It's trading on 20 times FY23 earnings. Um, the US, which has been a minefield for them, looks like it's traveling a lot mm -hmm. better. So in the past, they've been guilty of producing a lot of sort of cheap crap wine and yep. dumping it into markets and getting caught with inventory that they've then had to destroy. So the general thematic of the business is to try and um, drive premiumization mm -hmm. and margin. And, and one thing that is probably not as well understood with this company is it's got about a billion dollars of wine in vats at the moment. So it's, yeah. it's actually got a real asset. And, and the difference, as I say, to cash is that the value is rising each yeah. year because the wine becomes yeah, more valuable. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of think, what's the catalyst from here? And the, I, I can't think of it, you know, they sort of did about 28% EBIT growth ex-China last half, which I thought was, you know, again, really good effort, guiding for sort of longer term EBIT growth of a high single digits. Um, so on a dip, I reckon this could be one to have a okay. look at, but at the moment I'd say hold. Thank you. Andrew, quick thought on Treasury Wine Estates. Would you be a buyer, hold or a sell? Yeah, I, I, I go with Ben there, uh, hold. Um, I think the, the lesson here is is one that I would un underscore is always be wary of, of um, companies that go into China. How many times have we seen it on the ASX? I mean, obviously, phenomenal market. You know, if only we could capture one percent of China, we'd make a squillion dollars. And more often than not, companies just come back uh, with their tail between their legs. We'll talk about Blackmores in a minute, right? There's another classic example of, of what's happened there. But yeah, Ben's right. They've pivoted really well. It's 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 a very decent business, but it's just not a super exciting one. And I think any any uh, positivity is sort of captured in the price at the moment. So it's it's not a bargain. Um, and if I held it, I'd, I'd probably keep holding it. Okay. Me personally, I think there's better opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, all right. So opportunity cost, I know we've talked about that with you before, yeah. Andrew. Um, but then go on to Blackmore's then. Bridget, I hope you're watching. So here's your two in one. We'll get some thoughts on China, no doubt, because there's still lagging sales in China, pivoting to other international markets, Indonesia being one of them, which actually did pretty well uh, in the last report. But, um, you know, pretty slow recovery here in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, like this is very basic, but every time I go to Woolies, it's half off and I only buy it now if it's half off. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> I was going to raise the, the, the discounting in the industry is rampant. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be a little controversial here. I mean, this is not there's nothing special about these products. It's all brand. And, and that's largely a perception. Yeah, I'm going to always get in trouble when I say this, but if it was if it was actually had any medicinal value, it would be called a medicine, um, not an alternate medicine. <laughs> so with all of that out of the way, um, I just think that, I mean, look at what happened here. They just exploded. You remember, was it four or five yeah. years ago now? Daigu trade going in there, just opening up this massive market, fantastic. And they've only been going down since then because it didn't it didn't work out. Competition has since intensified. You've got a fairly interesting character who owns a quarter of the business. Uh, and there's a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle with the chairperson, I think, it, it uh, was going on pretty recently. So look, it, it's just I, I find it I find it very difficult to ask what is the real competitive edge of this business, and I just don't know if brand alone or distribution capacity or scale is is enough to turn mm -hmm. it into an exciting business for me. So it's it's a pass. It's a pass. Yeah, that's sell. the thing. It does it's have a good. It's a sell. It has a good brand. Yeah. I remember when I moved to Australia, I was told to only buy Blackmores. Yeah. Um, and I do take vitamin C. Like I don't totally write off the whole vitamin thing. Yeah. But um, is it is it exciting enough for you to be invested in? 
it's it's not a buy for me. I, I'm going to go a hold. Um, I thought it was a much improved result from them in in February, and um, China saw sales growth for the first time in a, in a while. Um, Australia, they grew market share, but the problem is the market's not growing mm-hmm. here, and it is as Andrew was saying, it's super competitive, um, and. The other problem, I think, is you know you've just got this powerhouse in Chemist Warehouse, which really mm. has the ability to um, make or break your business. Mm-hmm. And um, we're seeing that Chemist Warehouse are you know they're very good operators, and they're now starting to partner up with some of the brands and take equity in the brands in their stores. Like um, Bubs is an example, mm-hmm. the infant formula provider. Chemist Warehouse is a shareholder now. You're going to get the best spot on the shelves. You're going to, you know, they'll they'll give you the analytics. They'll tell you the customer data. They've had supply chain issues. You wonder, you know, everyone can blame things on supply chain issues at the moment. And and this has been companies had a pretty checkered history since um, the the boom that we saw back in 2017. So I'll go a hold. Um, I I do think you know building a brand. I, I, I agree with a lot, a lot of what Andrew's just said, but I, building a brand, there is real value mm-hmm. in that and it's not easy to do and it takes a lot of investment and marketing spend. So there might be a period where, you know, the market comes back to this. Yeah. Well, they are flagging a meaningful uplift in marketing spend in the second half. Um, okay, so that's Blackmore's number ninth on the list for Bridget. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting your names, but um, if you're interested, I'm sure you're listening. Uh, the last on the list is for Con, and it is Matter Group. So it's heavy mechanical equipment support service maintenance, and so it's repair of this big heavy equipment. Now we've got an infrastructure boom, a mm. building boom. If you've got parts that are stuck on freight from China, you'd think maybe there's you know an increased market for um, for repairs. I yeah. don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I reckon this looks this business looks great. It just looks a bit expensive to okay. me, um, um, and that's because it's um, I think it's a pretty new entrant onto the yes. ASX. Um, it's upgraded I think two or three times since it's come onto the market. So it's done the right things as opposed to a couple we spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's building up a reputation in the market, not and, and when I look back, the founders didn't sell down into the IPO. The cash was raised for the right reasons. Um, Luke Matter um, still owns 56% of the company. And I was reading it like he actually used to work for Caterpillar and mm-hmm. he worked out there was this real niche that um, needed servicing and he's built this business basically from scratch on the back of it. You know, I love those stories and he, he, he still sounds like he's heavily involved and has retained a very big um, weighting in the share price. Look at so that chart. Yeah, Pretty. I mean, everything I see to me is a tick. Um, the only thing is it's trading on 17 times next year's earnings. And, you know, this is an area like that's, it's a high multiple for this part of the market, mm-hmm. I would say. And um, like, if you look at a business, say like Emico, which isn't in the servicing of heavy equipment, it's in the actual rental of a lot of the equipment, that's trading on like four times earnings. So mm-hmm. not to say this is definitely a superior business, but it's it's in the space it's in to me it looks a bit pricey but on a nice pullback this looks like a buy to me okay but it's a hold as of today andrew what do you think of matter group mad is the ticker code for con yeah so um normally i wouldn't be that interested i i I don't know if you guys remember the mining services boom and then Mm -hmm. busts that happened after that these businesses are just fantastic when there's when there's wind at your back right like they they do lots of work around it's, it's just fantastic 
Um, but but things can change pretty rapidly, so you, you do need to to watch that kind of stuff. Um, but it's it's the fact that like ten years pro- they they started in two thousand and five, so you know it's only seventeen years, and they've done what they've done. The last prior to the listing, they were growing uh, their revenue at about thirty percent on average per year over a decade. Massive inside ownership. So although services businesses aren't usually my cup of tea, this is this is something when when you've got very capable people at the helm, which is it appears to be the case. I think that does change thing, change things. Um, the real test here is how much traction. So they've done really well in Australia. Can they emulate that in the US and that's in North America in general? And that's where they're making the push into. So yeah, it's it's sort of up there on a, on a comps basis, as Ben rightly points out. If they can maintain any kind of uh, tr- uh, momentum with that revenue and then they can scale reasonably well, You've got to imagine that it's that it's pretty cheap, but I, I would need to do more work to 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 better understand that. So, so at present, a hold. Okay, interesting. I just had a viewer write in as well, saying great chart, but very low volume. So that's I suppose something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think the CEO owns. There's another insider who's involved owns twenty. It's a function of that. Yeah, so seventy six percent of the stock is locked up, and um, the liquidity is low for a good reason, which is you know. The, mm-hmm. the insiders own the whole stock. Basically. That was similar to um, to Reese years ago, wasn't it? Reese and um, there's been you know objective corporation. Yeah. There, there's some that mm-hmm. really almost trade by appointment. Um, sometimes you want to be wary of that. I think liquidity you always need to think about in terms of position size, but also what your time span yeah. to invest is. You know, if you're thinking you're going to own it for a year, you don't know what you'll be selling into at some stage. So yeah. yeah. All right, guys, that has brought us so nicely to the end of the program. I won't get any angry emails about my timing today, hopefully. IODM <laughs> Limited, IOD, let's find out what we've learned. So that was, look, it's an avoid and it's a strong sell if you've got it from my guests. Prometicus, they both said that it's the highest, one of the highest quality companies on the Australian stock market. It's a buy from both of them. Treasury Wine Estates, it's a hold from both of my guests as well. Ben saying, what's the catalyst from here? And some of those China worries are obviously an overhang on Blackmore's as well for Bridget. Um, yeah, Andrew's just saying, what's the competitive edge? Um, ben saying, look, the result most recently was pretty good. And look, a brand does have value. Matter Group, you've just heard the guys talk about it. I think that they both wish that they would have got in at the beginning, yeah. perhaps. Look, lessons learned. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Ben, thank you Definitely. so much for coming in. Thanks it's good as always to see you. TMS Capital and Andrew Page from Strawman. Look, we'll see you in the studio soon. I hold hope. Thanks, guys. <laughs> see ya. Take care. If you'd like a company discussed on the program, that you own or thinking about owning, email us at the call ausbiz.com.au. Check out that portfolio still at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.